What up, son? It's the tale of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. All right, episode 14, Tale of the Tapes. Today we got Eric Sermon of EPMD and Big Daddy Kane. So big shout out to both of them, obviously. Um, I also want to point out that today marks a new year. We're getting into 1988 here. We've been in 1987 for a bit. In the beginning, it went like 80, 82 right away. I think then up to 84. Then right up to 85. Then we had a couple in 86 and we had a bunch in 87. So now we're on to 1988 now. Eric Sermon had his debut album out before Big Daddy Kane's, but both were in 1988. But um, the other MC from EPMD, Parish Making Dollars, did not qualify for this study. However, because EPMD was out as a group before either of the individuals were out, EPMD as a group does qualify with all of their songs, albums, and scores, etc. being applicable to Eric Sermon. So, again, Parish Making Dollars does not qualify for the study, but EPMD as a group did, so those songs and albums and stuff like that does count towards Eric Sermon's overall score. A little bit about Eric Sermon, also known as E-Double, Easy Eric, Eric Onassis, which is one of my... (laughs) One of my personal favorite aliases right there. I actually, to this day, I run around the house yelling Eric Onassis sometimes. My wife has no clue who the fuck it is or why I'm saying it, so that's always awesome. Um, Also, EMD and the Green-Eyed Bandit. He was born November 25th, 1968 in Brentwood, New York. Genre is listed as hip-hop and East Coast hip-hop. And his years active are listed as 1987 to present. And he has come out with an album within the past couple of years. So he most certainly still is definitely active. I, I don't know whether he will or won't come out with more albums. But um, he's definitely one of the more recently active people that we've had out of some of the guys that we've been doing lately. A little background on Eric Sermon. Eric Sermon, born November 25th, 1968, is an American rapper, musician, and record producer. Sermon is best known as one-third alongside PMD and DJ Scratch of late 1980s, 1990s hip-hop group EPMD and for production work. So I want to point out that while we don't see too much there as far as like accolades or record, you know, setting records or breaking records or things like that, His influence on other artists was tremendous, and he did a lot more as a producer than I ever realized, and his influence is far, far exceeded what I thought I was going to see from him. I did not know that he influenced that many artists to that degree like that, so uh, we'll get into that in a bit, but I did want to touch on how... Again, you're not seeing a lot of the normal accolades that you might see on some of these huge names that we've had prior, but this man held his weight for sure in a lot of other terms would have an impact on hip-hop and things like that. With that being said, let's go to his list. Let's hit random. And this is Eric Sermon, Don't Get Gassed. Death Squad. Uh-huh. Hot, y'all. Check it. 
No more long roads, my time's up. The rap game's bumper to bumper, I take a shortcut. I do 120 down the Deegan. Fly past the cops, they like he's speeding. I'm in a two triple zero MB. Flowing it to the gas tanks empty. Me and Red Man take a detour uptown. Park in front of Branson store. Alright, now he says, No more long roads, my time's up. The rap game is bumper to bumper, I take a shortcut. So it's only the one rhyme and one syllable on the rhyme, but a pretty good line there, not a bad line. Um, you know, obviously a little metaphor there about how the game is kind of, you know, the rap game is kind of clogged up bumper to bumper and he kind of went a different route than everybody else did. I do 120 down the Deegan, fly past the cops, they like he's speeding. Again, one rhyme per bar, but two syllables on this rhyme. And all four of these bars right here lead into each other well. They're all, you know, kind of metaphors about driving and relating that to his success and things like that. I'm in a two triple zero MB, flaunt it till the gas tank's empty. Again, one rhyme per bar, two syllables on the rhyme again, lines leading into each other well. Some of the lines are, are better than others, but there hasn't been anything weak. Um, we've had a couple of syllables on the rhymes and stuff like that. All the lines have led into each other very well, and there has been some strong ones. Yo, me and Redman take a detour uptown, park in front of Bronson store. So, you can see already, at least so far, Eric Sermon's kind of painting a picture here. We'll see if this is um, a story that he kind of sticks to for the whole song or whatever the case is. But he's obviously painting a clear picture right now and telling somewhat of a story of basically him being in the car he's with red man they pull up to the store um you know shit like that so let's see if he continues on with this story i see a couple of chickens pouring the scene i roll down the window when i flash the greens i got my hand up on the steering wheel with the gangster lean watching rings doing my thing bling bling i'm out there sitting on lorenzo's attracting two four five or six hoes uh girls scream my name and the hype crazy it wasn't me it was the fame e-dub the rap sugar shame your homeboys drove up i give a fuck who came i'm off the hook like 27th street between 11th to 12th all by myself hey yo you think you holding it down don't get gas on the wheel you and your man's a clown don't get gas hey you think you fly then e don't get gas i'ma let you know something i'll whoop your ass hey. okay so he picks up where he left off with I see a couple of chickens upon the scene. I roll down the window when I flash the greens. Again, very simple stuff. One rhyme per bar, one syllable per rhyme. But again, he's sticking with what he's been talking about. These lines lead into each other well. Everything makes sense. I got my hand upon the steering wheel with the gangster lean. Watching rings, doing my thing. Bling, bling. Now... Here's something that I do remember Eric Sermon doing a fair amount of times. We've had plenty of artists before this do this, so this is not the first example of this, but he's got a line here where he says, I got my hand upon the steering wheel with the gangster lean, and then the next line should rhyme with lean, but it doesn't, and he has watching rings doing my thing, bling, bling. So he does have three rhymes on that ending bar there, but... It doesn't rhyme with the bar before it, so it's kind of a little bit of give and take there. All the the rhymes on the last bar are one syllable, but again, there was three of them, but again, they didn't rhyme with the bar before it, so a little bit of give and take there, and I, like I said, I do remember Eric Sermon doing a fair amount of that, where 
he would take a little bit of a shortcut there and just rhyme his line as opposed to, you know, the line before it or whatever the case was. I'm out there sitting on Lorenzo's, attracting two, four, five, or six hoes. Now, that's kind of a thing where, again, you could say anything. I'm attracting eight, nine, ten, eleven hoes, whatever is going to rhyme with, you know, the word before hoes. Um, also, he doesn't have a one in there, which is fine because he could start at whatever number he wants, but he also doesn't have a three in there. So you could tell that. It's a little strange because he's kind of skipping random numbers and then he's saying six O's to match with Lorenzo's, but it is a two-syllable rhyme. So again, a little bit of give and take there. The lines lead into each other well. They make sense. Not really a great line, but it makes sense. Two syllables on the rhyme. Uh, girl, scream my name and the hype crazy. It wasn't me. It was the fame. Again, very simple line. One rhyme per ball, one syllable per rhyme. Leads into each other well, makes sense. E-dub, the rap sugar cane, I give a fuck who came. Same thing, one syllable per rhyme, one rhyme per bar. I'm off the hook like 27th Street between 11th and 12th, all by myself. So that's another example there of how he says he has name and fame. Then on his next line, E-dub, the rap sugar cane, I give a fuck who came. So two rhymes in that bar. And then the next bar should rhyme with came, but it doesn't. And he says, I'm off the hook like 27th Street between 11th and 12th all by myself. So he does the same thing earlier where he just rhymes the second bar with itself as opposed to rhyming the bar before it. A bunch of give and take here from E-Dub. Then goes into the hook. He does a good job on the hook of being repetitive and simple where... You know, every other bar is saying, don't get gassed. But he's rhyming the things in between that. Ayo, you think you're holding it down? Don't get gassed. On the real, you and your mans are clowns. Don't get gassed. Hey, you think you fly it in me? Don't get gassed. I'm a legend. Know something. I'll whoop your ass. So, it's a pretty cool hook there from Eric Sermon. It's the first we've seen of this kind, at least, you know, in songs that we've played and doing breakdowns and stuff like this to where... It's repetitive, but he's not just repeating the same line over and over again. Shows a little bit of artistic ability, a little bit of originality there to a certain degree. I'm not sure exactly what year this song is from. I believe it's some of his later stuff, so it's not so much originality in the sense that he probably got extra points for because at the time that he made this song, it probably wasn't something that hadn't been done before, but I'm just trying to point out for... What we've heard so far in these songs, um, this is something different right there. Let's pick up off with the rest of the hook and see what he does with the rest of the song here. You think you hold the crown? Don't get gas. On the real, you and your man's a clown. Don't get gas. Hey, you think you fly than me? Don't get gas. I'ma let you know something. I'll whoop your ass. Check it. Who wanna go at it? Buck for buck. I come through like nigga what? In the Brinks truck, blow it up like the Spanish cat and dead presidents. Get the money, hand out gifts in your residence. Call me Snoop Dogg. Bitch, please. King of New York. Christopher Walken on them seas. I'm hard to please. Excite me. Jump off the Brooklyn Bridge. Head first, face thug, and live. Okay, so the hook repeats. Then he says, check it. Who wanna go at it buck for buck? I come through like nigga what in a Brinks truck. So now he has buck, what, and truck. So he has three one-syllable rhymes in the two bars there. They lead into each other well. They make sense. 
Blow it up like that Spanish cat in Dead Presidents. Get the money, hand out gifts in your residence. Another line similar to how he, how he had early on where blow it up like the Spanish cat in Dead Presidents. I mean, if you didn't see the movie Dead Presidents, then you're not going to know what he's talking about. But, you know, most people that are listening to this type of music have probably seen that movie and can understand what he's referencing. It's not a crazy line. He's just saying, I'll blow it up like the Spanish cat in Dead Presidents. So it's not like... It's not like he's making this crazy metaphor out of it, but, you know, most people would know what he's talking about there. Get the money, hand out gifts in your residence. So, it's a pretty good line because he's kind of being, you know, just like rude and disrespectful and in your face, kind of, I'll roll through in a brink truck, blow it up, and then hand out gifts in your residence to kind of rub it in your face. And it's also presidents and residence, which is three syllables on the rhyme. So, we've seen a lot of give and take here from Eric Sermon so far where... You know, two-syllable rhymes, three-syllable rhymes, three rhymes, four rhymes per bar. And then you got, you know, other ones that are just one rhyme per bar, one syllable per rhyme. But he hasn't had any bad lines, nothing insanely awesome, uh, nothing too great so far. But again, nothing really negative, certainly more good than bad right here. Call me Snoop Dogg, bitch please. King of New York, Christopher Walken on MCs. Now this is a pretty dope line. For those of you that don't know, Snoop Dogg has a song called Bitch Please. So, he's saying, call me Snoop Dogg, Bitch Please, King of New York, Christopher Walken on MCs. Now he has, call me Snoop Dogg, Bitch Please, A, King of New York, B, Christopher Walk, B, and on MCs, A. So he has a little A-B-B-A rhyme pattern there. He also has a little reference in the first bar of a Snoop Dogg song. And then he's basically saying walking all over MCs, but he has a little spin on it to where he says King of New York, Christopher walking on MCs. So that's probably his best line right there. It is only one syllable on the rhyme and it is only one rhyme per bar, but between the two lines put together there and the little metaphor and the play on words in the second bar and stuff like that, that's probably one of his best lines in the song, at least so far. Um... Pretty good line there. Then he says, I'm hard to please, excite me. Jump off the Brooklyn Bridge. Head first, fake thug, and live. Again, pretty good line. So he, you know, I'm hard to please, excite me. Jump off the Brooklyn Bridge. Head first, fake thug, and live. So I want you to survive. I want you to suffer. I want you to land head first. Again, nothing crazy. One syllable per rhyme, one rhyme per bar. But again, all these lines have made sense. They've all led into each other well. As I alluded to in the beginning, it's not really a story in a sense of having like a beginning and an end or keeping of a topic and all that type of stuff. But he has, you know, in general, been talking about like cars and driving and all that type of stuff. And the name of the song is called Don't Get Gas. So it seems like at least so far that it's a little play on words here where... He's telling you don't get gassed up, don't get too hyped up about yourself, don't get arrogant. But he's using don't get gassed as kind of a metaphor of like don't get gassed and he's using cars as as an example for a lot of these things. And I think he's done a, a pretty good job with this so far. Um, I would say between some of the good lines that he has and a couple of the different things that he's done so far and the play on the, the don't get gassed and the unique hook and stuff like that. 
So far, this is probably a little bit above an average song. I don't know if it's quite a good song yet. We'll have to see where he goes from here on. Now that might get you a yo duke is ill But that still ain't got shit to do with the skills Uh, why you wanna go against me with no brains When I'm a big dude and you a buck and change Me, I got no time for playing games If you can't ride upon the track and switch lanes New game, watch how I rearrange the structure Here's a hundred grand, keep the change you fucker I'm like the magazine, my flow's upscale My shit flourish and yours don't sell On the other hand, you're mad to death for sound scan And left with a couple of Fans. So what you and your man with gold? Don't get gas. Oh, got a couple of million souls. Don't get gas. I bet you next year you fold. Don't get gas. I'ma let you know something. I'll whoop your ass. So what you and your man with gold? Don't get gas. Oh, got a couple of million souls. Don't get gas. I bet you next year you fold. Don't get gas. I'ma let you know something. I'll whoop your ass. Okay, so going back to what he ended it off with where where we cut when he said to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge head first fake dog and live then he goes on to say now that might get you a yo duke is ill but that still ain't got shit to do with the skills another pretty good line because you have duke is ill which is three syllables and then you have do it the skills which is another three syllables so the way that he said it and the way that he worded it, he got the three syllables on the rhyme there. And he also got in ill, still, and skill. So three rhymes on the two bars, three syllables on two out of those three rhymes. And again, still everything leading into each other well, everything making sense. Why you want to go against me with no brains when I'm a big dude and you a buck and change? Now... This isn't great where he says, why you want to go against me with no brains. I'm, I'm, you know, it looks to me like he's just trying to rhyme something with change, which is still only one syllable on the rhyme and one rhyme per bar. But again, it's not a bad line. It, it just seems a little bit lazy, which Eric Sermon did seem a lot of times. But again, he was really big with the production and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm not sure if emceeing was really his number one focus it didn't seem like it was to me from listening to his career. That's not to say he was terrible or anything like that, but he did have a lot of instances where he took shortcuts or got lazy and stuff like that. Me, I got no time for playing games. If it can't ride upon the track, then switch lanes. Very simple line, one rhyme per bar, one syllable on the rhyme. Makes sense though, leads into each other well. He's still, you know, on the same concept as, as the... The song has been carrying. New game. Watch how I rearrange the structure. Here's a hundred grand. Keep the change, you fucker. So now he's got... In the beginning of that line, he says new game, which rhymes earlier from... If you can't ride up on the track, then switch lanes and goes into new game. Now watch how I rearrange the structure. So he has game and rearrange, which is AA. Then structure, which is B. Here's a hundred grand. Keep the change A, you fucker, B. So he's got A, A, B, A, B, which could be the first time that we've seen that. I'm not 100% sure, but pretty unique and rare rhyme pattern there. Um, three of the five rhymes on the two bars are one syllable. Two of the five rhymes on the two bars are two syllables. But again, with the rhyme pattern and the two-syllable rhymes and the five rhymes on the two bars... The actual words that he's saying is not amazing, 
but it makes sense and with all the other things coupled into it there's another pretty good two bars right there i'm like the magazine my flow is upscale my shit flourish and yours don't sell now i understand the magazine upscale but then the line after that my shit flourish and yours don't sell i mean obviously that doesn't really make any sense yours don't sell it should be yours don't sell so that's a bit of a that's a bit of a reach for a line there a little bit of give and take again we've seen in general in this song some give and take we've definitely seen some well above average bars and then we've definitely seen some bars where it's ah this kind of doesn't make sense or it's it's really simple or really basic or it's not the best line but again there really haven't been any like really bad lines or anything that would take away from anything in here and there's certainly been more good than bad in this particular song on the other hand you're mad to death at sound scan and left with a couple fans so when he's talking about sound scan you know if you were involved in the music industry in any type of way then obviously you know what sound scan is i'm not going to get into this a great deal but it's where you get kind of your numbers and your feedback and things like that of you know how your your records and your units and all these type of things are doing um Again, it's complicated. I'm not going to get into it too deeply right now. It's not that important, but just understand what he's referencing. Basically saying, our sound scan looks good. Yours looks bad. You're left with a couple of fans because they're all coming to us type of deal. Again, nothing great, but more good than bad. The lines make sense. You have hand scan and fans. So you have three rhymes in the two bars. One syllable on each of the rhymes. Um... As far as the song was rated, again, you know, I say this every week, but I, I can't guarantee what this what this song got because I'm not listening to all of Eric Sermon's songs in succession right now. I do know that this is down later on the list, so this was one of his later songs. But again, there was definitely more good than bad in here. I, I would say he would get at least a quarter of a point for at least one of those verses or just, a, you know, a couple of really good lines that he had in there that... He didn't do enough bad to bring that back down to average, but this song was somewhere in between a one and a two, an average and a good song. I, I would lean more towards an average song, but again, if he was right on that brink for a couple of songs before this, then maybe this did get a two, but that was that was a, a better Eric Sermon than the whole Eric Sermon that I saw when I studied Eric Sermon. He was not that good on every song. It was not more good than bad on every song with Eric Sermon. And I'm not trying to shit on him, but that was definitely some of the better Eric Sermon that you got right there for sure. So now that you've heard some of him, let's get into what I wrote down while I was listening to Eric Sermon. I had listened to Eric Sermon and Def Squad many a times growing up, and I did not remember E-Dub being this bad. He started off well below average lyrically with mostly underwhelming and anticlimactic stories repeating the same terms. Although he did pick it up later on in his career, most of the decent bars he had were either lackluster or followed by garbage bars that sometimes had little to do with the one preceding them. Between himself, EPMD, and Def Squad, Eric Sermon was a part of 15 hip-hop albums, 7 of which were good, with the other 8 being average. Those 15 albums equated to 181 songs, three of which were great, 13 were good, and two were weak with the rest being average. However, those three great songs were all on the same album, and most of his good songs were carried by the features on them. 
One area I was blown away by when studying Eric Sermon was the impact he had on hip-hop, especially early on. While he may not have had the most commercial success in the world, it was there. Also, artists such as Jadakiss, Biggie, and Tupac particularly took a lot from Sermon, but also others such as Nas, Jay-Z, Styles P, Sheik Luch, DMX, Dr. Dre, Wu-Tang, Pete Rock, CL Smooth, Spice One, and many others. Clearly, if nothing else, for one reason or another, hip-hop heads were listening. E-Dub was very up and down when it came to originality. His image and motive seemed to be that of your typical New York rapper, yet he had his own style, voice, and delivery and did it in his own way. That being said, he did take a lot of stuff from a lot of other artists, especially late in his career. Let's get into the actual math of it. Lyric story gets a four. Again, early on, he was really bad. Like, really bad. Like, I was listening to it and I was like, wow, not only how did I listen to this guy, but how did I not notice or how do I not remember how bad this guy was? Because I don't ever remember listening to Def Squad when I was younger. I don't think I had any Eric Sermon albums, but I listened to a lot of Def Squad and I don't ever remember listening to any of those albums and ever thinking like, wow, Eric Sermon sucks. Maybe it was, you know, earlier stuff than that. And, and that's why I'm not thinking that. But, you know, he was he was really bad early on. And then he was average to above average, like, you know, a lot later. So it carried him back up to a four. But at one point, he was really rough. Album score, he gets a 3.61 with zero classic, with zero classics. Song score is a plus 0. 0.06, which is not even a tenth of a point. You know, 181 songs, I believe it was, and, and three were great, and I believe two were weak. So you really only have a difference of one song out of 180 songs or so. So that's a very minuscule number, but he is plus on the song score. Impact, he gets an eight, which, again, you know, he didn't have the most commercial success in the world. And we talk about when, you know, we talked about with his background, how there wasn't a lot of accolades and records being set or broken or anything like that there. But I mean, his impact was very high just based on his list of artists that he influenced alone. I mean, there's, there's over 20 something names on there, probably closer to 30. And there's some very big names on there. And not only that, but the ones like Jadakiss, Biggie, and Tupac actually took like a bunch of stuff from him. So it wasn't just like a line or something like that. I mean, you're talking about each one of those huge names taking three or four things at least from Eric Sermon each. So, you know, like I said, if based on nothing else, his impact score is there just on that. And again, with originality, like I said, pretty much a typical New York rapper, but he definitely had his own sound. He had his own like style and voice and delivery and stuff like that. And he, you know, he definitely did his own thing for sure. He wasn't like a follower or anything like that, but again, not overly stand out. And he did take a lot of, a lot of stuff from other artists. So, you know, where I said that his, his list of artists that he influenced was huge. His list of artists that he took people from was also very large. So he does get an above average score for originality, which was mostly carried by his overall general sound and his voice and delivery and stuff like that. Um, you know, just slightly above average with a five and a half there. You add those numbers up and you divide by five and that gives you a final score of 4.23 
which puts Eric Sermon in 60th place of 115 artists done. So he's just about at halfway, just behind halfway. I want to give a big shout out to Eric Sermon. Again, I'm not trying to shit on anybody by doing this, and I'm not trying to shit on anybody with my critiques that I give here, but again, he was really rough early on as far as lyrics is concerned. He definitely stepped that up, so I give him props on that. And, you know, again, his impact was it was big. His influence on all the artists was very big. I did not realize that going into him, and I also did not realize how big he was as far as production was concerned. So, again, shout out to Eric Sermon. He definitely surprised me in some areas. Actually, you know, Eric Sermon was really a bit of a surprise all around because I didn't expect him to be that poor lyrically at some points. I didn't expect him to have the impact that he had. I didn't expect him to have more great songs than weak songs. Um, and I, I didn't realize that he took so much from other artists. So really everything about Eric Sermon was kind of surprising to me. And, you know, not for nothing, but blame this on my age probably. I was only four years old when they came out. But I didn't realize that Eric Sermon was out that early. I mean, even when I first started doing this, I just penciled Eric Sermon in with Def Squad in the 90s without really paying any mind to where I was putting him or what I was doing. And then when I got into this and I seen it, I said, oh shit, like I didn't even realize Eric Sermon was out in the 80s. I, I knew of EPMD. I don't think I ever had any of their albums. I didn't really listen to EPMD. Um, you know, but just, it just slipped my mind that Eric Sermon was out in the 80s. So again, shouts to Eric Sermon. That being done, let's get on to Big Daddy Kane, who, like I said earlier, his debut solo album was also in 1988. His birth name was Antonio Hardy, also known as BDK, Dark Gable, King Asiatic, Nobody's Equal, Black Nova, and Count Macula. He was born September 10th, 1968 in Brooklyn, New York City, New York, United States, and his genre is listed as hardcore hip-hop. Let's get into a little background about BDK. Antonio Hardy, born September 10th, 1968, better known by his stage name Big Daddy Kane, is a Grammy Award-winning American rapper and actor who started his career in 1986 as a member of the rap collective The Juice Crew. He is widely considered to be one of the most influential and skilled MCs in hip-hop. The name Big Daddy Kane came from a variation of Kane, David Carradine's character from the TV show Kung Fu and a character called Big Daddy Vincent Price played in the film Beach Party. Rolling Stone magazine ranked his song Ain't No Half Step in number 25 on its list of the 50 greatest hip-hop songs of all time, calling him a master wordsmith of rap's late golden age and a huge influence on a generation of MCs. So a little bit more here from Big Daddy Kane as far as accolades where he was a Grammy award-winning rapper. He's considered to be one of the most influential and skilled MCs in hip-hop. His song Ain't No Half-Stepping gets ranked number 25 on Rolling Stone Magazine's 50 greatest hip-hop songs of all time. Um, and they called him a master wordsmith. You know, just things like that. So you can see from reading this on Big Daddy Kane that Again, we're dealing with another legend here. We're dealing with a guy that did set some records, that did win a Grammy, that did do these other things, and that also did have a very big impact on a lot of other artists and stuff like that. So with that out of the way, let's go to Big Daddy Kane's list. Let's hit random. 
And this is Big Daddy Kane, No Damn Good. and your Thomases and can't even cook toast, right? <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you, man, is they just ain't no damn good. Word booty. No damn good. Check it out. Now there's this girl named Monique, the type of female that you consider a freak. A big-time player playing like a drum beat. You think her address is 21 Hump Street. She step out every night to swing with her lip press songs on a Nefertiti ring. Bamboo earrings all big and looking silly with extensions hanging down like Milli Vanilli. Okay, so we got a bit of a lengthy intro there, and he does say some funny and interesting shit in the intro, and you listen to that intro, you kind of know what's going on. You know this song is going to be about females in some way, shape, or form. And then he goes in to say, Now there's this girl named Monique, the type of female that you consider a freak. One rhyme per bar, one syllable per rhyme, very simple line, but again, it leads into each other well, it's totally fine, makes sense. A big-time player playing a, like a drum beat. You'd think her address is 21 Hump Street. Pretty good line there for a couple of reasons. Um, he's saying he's a big-time player and he's playing her like a drum beat. Now, again, that's not an amazing line, but it makes sense. And then he says, you'd think her address is 21 Hump Street, which obviously is a play on 21 Jump Street. He's calling the girl a hoe or a slut or whatever the case is. And then you have also drum beat Hump Street which is two syllables on the rhyme, only one rhyme per bar, but again, a pretty good line. This All four of these bars make sense. They lead into each other well. She step out every night to swing with her Lee press-ons and a Nefertiti ring. One rhyme per bar, one syllable per rhyme, but again, leads into each other well, makes sense, still on topic here. Bamboo earrings all big and looking silly with extensions hanging down like Millie Vanilli. So basically, he's trying to point out that I could take one look at this girl and know, you know, what she is with her bamboo earrings all big and looking silly. And then he says about the hair extensions hanging down like Millie Vanilli. Um, again, it's not a great line. It's not a bad line. You got two syllables on the rhyme, just one rhyme per bar. They lead into each other well. They make sense. There's really nothing negative about any of these bars that we've gotten through right here. So let's see where he goes from there. And every Wednesday night at the Apollo, the first kiss you saw with jewelry she'd follow. And Monique would be ready to sleep with the first kid in a Benz or a Cherokee Chief. Strung out and giving up the nappy dugout. You're on the critical list, about to pull the plug out. So here, Nympho, here's some good info. Stop taking inputs and close your legs, toots. Cause I remember you was one of a kind and a fine. I once was infatuated by the things that you do. But now you're doo-doo. It's all about respecting yourself in order to gain respect from anyone else. Treating yourself like a real woman should, because, bitch, you ain't no damn good. 
Okay, so off of what he was saying before, and every Wednesday night at the Apollo, first kid she saw with jewelry she'd follow. So you got one, two syllables on the rhyme, one rhyme per bar. Again, though, every Wednesday night at the Apollo, first kid she saw with jewelry she'd follow. They lead into each other well, they make perfect sense, he's still on topic here. And Monique would be ready to sleep with the first kid in a Benz or a Cherokee Jeep. Basically the same exact thing as the two lines before it, except instead of having two two-syllable rhymes, he has three one-syllable rhymes. But he's making the same exact point as the line before it. Every Wednesday night at the Apollo, first kid, first kid she saw with jewelry she'd follow. And Monique would be ready to sleep with the first kid in a Benz or a Cherokee Jeep. Basically painting the girl out to be a gold digger with all four of those lines. Strung out and giving up the nappy dugout. You're on the critical list about to pull the plug out. So now he's got strung out, giving up the nappy dugout. Two rhymes on the one bar there. You got strung and dug, so just one syllable on the rhyme. You're on the critical list about to pull the plug out. So you have out, out, and out, so that doesn't count. But you have strung, dug, and plug. So we have three one-syllable rhymes on the two bars there. And... You know, a little bit of a metaphor in the second one. You're on the critical list, about to pull the plug out. You could get what he's insinuating. You're about to cut yourself off, whatever way you want to put it. Um, so here, Nympho, here's some good info. Stop taking them puts and close your legs, toots. Now, you have Nympho and Info, which is two two-syllable rhymes on the first bar. But then the bar after that doesn't rhyme with nympho or info. It only rhymes with itself. And he says, stop taking them puts and close your legs, toots. And that's another one where it's a shortcut to where the bars don't rhyme with each other. And it's also a reach with stop taking them puts. He just wanted something to rhyme with toots. Um, we got the four rhymes. Two of them are two syllables. Two of them are one syllable. Those kind of cancel each other out as far as I'm concerned. You got a little bit of a shortcut and a little bit of a reach, but you do have four rhymes. Two of them have two syllables, so that's a little bit of give and take there. Because I remember you was one of a kind and a fine... Hmm. So he kind of drags out that bar to fit into two bars the way that he says fine. He says fine. And that rhymes with kind. So you just have the one rhyme per bar, one syllable per rhyme. But he's leading into something very, very simple, very basic stuff there. Still on topic here. I once was infatuated by the things that you do, but now you do do. Now, they're both the word do, but one is do is in shit and one is do is in, you know, something that you do. So I'll give him the rhyme on that one, but it's very simple. It's a very small word. It's a one syllable word. There really is hardly any lines on even the second bar. He just kind of pauses and says, "Now you, but now you do do. But I will say this, it's delivered in a fashion where he makes the line appeal to you a little bit more than it really is good. So he does do a good job there. Again, I'm not saying it's a bad line. I'm just saying that the reaction that you would probably get from that line is is probably bigger than it deserves because of the way that he worded it and the way that he paused and the way that he said it and stuff it's funny it invokes some sort of reaction whether you laugh and say that's stupid or whatever it's a funny line again it's nothing great it's nothing terrible but it does invoke some reaction it's all about respecting yourself in order to gain respect from anyone else 
which is a pretty good line right there. Just one rhyme per bar and one syllable on the rhymes, but it's all about respecting yourself in order to gain respect from anyone else. So I like the way he plays with the word there. I like the point that he's making. It's a very strong point. It's something that a lot of people have said all the time when we're talking about, you know, women doing things and stuff like that. Now, he's been painting a picture of this girl being a gold digger and basically just sleeping with people for money and shit. So that doesn't sound too much to me like that girl or whoever he's insinuating or talking about or whatever. She doesn't respect herself too much. And I agree, if you don't respect yourself, it would be difficult to get respect from anyone else. But I, I just want to go out on a limb here and say that I don't necessarily think that because a girl sleeps around that she doesn't respect herself. That's kind of an old school look on things. Um, I'm not saying that people now don't feel like that. They do. I'm just saying that the old school is a, a little even more stronger with that. I'm always the oddball out, man. Like, I have different beliefs in my life. So, not that I disagree with his line, because I completely agree with his line. And I completely agree that the girl that he seems to be talking about in this song doesn't respect herself. But I just want to point out how there is that general consensus of, like, you know, you got to respect yourself. And I don't really agree with a lot of the way that guys put that shit. But, again, obviously, I think he's speaking of whoever he's speaking of, this girl Monique, in this song. And... She doesn't sound like she respects herself too much to me. So that's a really good line there. Treat yourself like a real woman should, because bitch, you ain't no damn good. One rhyme per bar, one syllable per rhyme. Simple, basic, but leads into each other well, makes sense. The whole verse stayed on topic. He didn't stray from what he was talking about in any way, shape, or form. There really wasn't any bad lines or anything like that in there. There was definitely more good than bad. I'm not really sure if I would say there was enough in that verse as far as the verse being good to raise it up, but he did keep the topic. So if he can keep the topic again in the next verse, then it will be above average. You know, granted, if he doesn't lose anything elsewhere, it will be above average based on that alone. So we'll have to see what he can do with the second verse here. That's right, there's a lot of young ladies out here that just ain't no damn Another story about this kid by the name of Corey, a hustler with game, trying to make a name that was his aim, but his lifestyle was lame, cause he would front like it wasn't even funny, about his girl, his car, and his money, pulling out a knot every place, but every single bill had Washington's face. Okay, so you got a little bit of chatting in the hook, which again, he's not going to lose anything for that. The song started off in that manner. And now he's continuing on with a conversation with a girl on the hook. Again, I do not want people to lose points for artistry. I do not remember Big Daddy Kane off the top of my head having any type of issues with hooks. We'll see when we get into my critique of him what I wrote down. But off the top of my head, I don't remember him having that. Um, so again, he's not going to lose points for this. I can't see it. Oh, there's no hook. He sucks and can't make a hook. I don't remember that being the case. This is what he wanted to do on this song. This is his art, and I'm not trying to take points away from people's art. He's free to do whatever he wants in his hook. However, if he never does any hooks and just talks on all of his hooks, then he did lose points for those. 
But uh, again, we're not listening to all of them in succession here, so we can only go by what we're seeing here, and he won't lose points for it here. So now he says, well now, here's another story about this kid by the name of Corey. So you have two syllables on the rhyme, one rhyme per bar. They make sense, they lead into each other well, but it is one of those things where, of course you're going to call the kid Corey or whatever, you know, something that rhymes with story because you want to tell another story. Now, I want to point out when talking about these bars right here, how Biggie particularly, again, you'll hear about this when we get into my critique on Big Daddy Kane, but Biggie particularly took a lot of lines from Big Daddy Kane, and, and you can see right here, I'm just using this as an example, you can see right here an example of, of Biggie being influenced by Big Daddy Kane in a sense, where... We do have some above average lyrics here, um, and I, you know, I remember Big Daddy Kane being above average in general lyrically uh, overall, and same thing with Biggie, above average lyricist, but there was a lot of times with Biggie, he didn't do this all the time, but there was a lot of times with Biggie where he would say names and things of this nature to where they were kind of like um, easy way outs, maybe you could put it, and kind of just throwing words in there because they rhymed um now what i'm trying to say is that again i don't know this this is not a fact but more than likely this story that we're about to hear is not about someone named Corey. it's either a made-up story and he named him Corey because it rhymed with story or it is a real story about somebody else whose name he changed to Corey for two reasons one probably being just to help protect the identity of the person who the story is actually about, and two being because it rhymes with story, plain and simple. So, of course, it's a story about Corey because Corey's name rhymes with story. So, it's a, it's an easy little cop out there. Again, it's not bad. It's not something that he's going to lose points or lose credit for. The only reason I'm really going out of my way to even point this out so heavily is because I just wanted to point out that Biggie does do things like that a lot. So, on top of the fact that Biggie did take actual lines from Big Daddy Kane, he was borrowing a little bit of a style there as well. A hustler with game trying to make a name. That was his aim, but his lifestyle was lame. So you have game, name, aim, and lame. So you have four one-syllable rhymes in the two bars. So mostly basic stuff, four rhymes instead of the two. But again, a hustler with game, trying to make a name, that was his aim, but his lifestyle was lame. It all makes sense. It makes perfect sense. The bars lead into each other well. You know, again, a little bit simple with the actual rhymes that are chosen, but certainly more good than bad. Nothing to lose credit there for. Because he would front like it wasn't even funny about his girl, his car, and his money. So basically, he's just saying that the dude was a bullshitter. And he would just make up shit about anything. He would make up shit about his girl. He'd make up shit about his car. He'd make up shit about his money. You have funny and money. Just the two rhymes on the two bars and two syllables per rhyme. Pulling out a knot every place. But every single bill had Washington's face. So again, you know, talking about how the dude is fronting. He would pull out a knot in every place. But he's pulling out a knot of $1 bills. Um, it's just place and face. So just the... You know, simple rhymes, one syllable per rhyme, one rhyme per bar. But a pretty good line, nothing crazy, nothing amazing, but a pretty good line. Again, it all makes sense. It's all keeping the same topic. Now, 
as far as the general song topic here, the song is called No Damn Good. But it's not necessarily just about girls being no damn good. So what we're seeing happening here is in the beginning of the song, he's talking to a dude about how girls are no damn good, and then he goes into a verse about how girls are no damn good, and he uses an example in a story of this girl, Monique, who basically is a gold digger. Then after that, he has a hook of him talking to a girl, and the girl insinuating to him that guys are no damn good. So then his second verse goes into a verse about a dude that's no damn good, a story about somebody named Corey and why he's no damn good. So while verse 2 doesn't necessarily have anything to do with verse 1 or pick up off the story from verse 1 or not that we've seen yet, it still definitely does keep the topic of this song. Um, And it makes it a pretty cool idea what he did where he's kind of coming at it from both angles because for sure there are both guys and girls that are no damn good. And that didn't have to be done, but a cool little twist that he put on the song there. But I just want to point out again that while it has nothing to do with the first verse, these all do have to do with the general song topic. So he's still on point with that. And he went beyond exaggeration to lie about his means of transportation because he said he had a Benz car. Come to find out it was his friend's car. Talk about simple chronic halitosis. Damn, his breath was ferocious. He had an odor that just won't quit. Smelt like he washed in all of oh shit. Telling girls he's daddy long stroking. Shit, you must be joking. Cause he ain't got no bitches It couldn't hurt a virgin if a pussy had stitches See, Corey, there's a lot you're missing Seems to me you ain't got a pot to piss in So let's get one thing understood, motherfucker You ain't no damn good The moral of the story is the majority of the population of males and females today are just no damn good Okay, so that's No Damn Good by Big Daddy Kane. Let's get into the rest of the lyrics from the song. He says, back to talking about the dude Corey and how he pulls out, you know, he's he fronts about his girls, his car and his money. He's pulling out money, but it's, you know, uh, all $1 bills. And he went beyond exaggeration to lie about his means of transportation. So you have one bar, one rhyme per bar there, two syllables on the rhyme. But again, makes perfect sense. They lead into each other well. Still on point, still on topic. Because he said he had a Benz car. Come to find out it was his friend's car. And this is this is an okay line because it's a little bit of a mirage. You have Ben's car, friend's car. They're both cars, so it's just Ben's and friends that rhymes. And again, like I said, it's just a little bit of a mirage. Because he could have said, he said he has a Benz. Come to find out it was only his friend's. So the, the word car didn't really need to be there. And now I'm not saying that he's losing points for the word car being there or that I'm trying to discredit him in any type of way or even that it's a bad thing that car is there. What I'm trying to say is that the way he words it, it you know, it makes it sound like it's a two-syllable rhyme, which is, which is cool, you know, good on him. But I am here to study this and I am here to analyze this stuff and I'm, you know, I'm not going to be trickeried over like that and again i'm not trying to shit on big daddy kane there's nothing wrong with this line there's nothing wrong with him doing that but you know i just want to point out it's really just ben's and friends that that rhymes there it's a little bit of a mirage talk about simple chronic halitosis damn his breath was ferocious so again we have one rhyme per bar two syllables on the rhyme there the lines still make perfect sense they still lead into each other well 
He's still talking about the same thing. Staying on point here, staying on topic. He had an odor that just won't quit. Smelled like he washed in oil of oh shit. (laughs) See what I'm saying? Like That's like the doo-doo line. I couldn't even really read that line with a straight face. Now, is it a great line? Is there anything metaphorically or you know, uh, mind-blowing about it or anything like that. No, it's not, but it's a funny line. It invokes emotion. It invokes a reaction. Um, You know, he's obviously referring to oil of Olay, but instead of saying of oil oil of Olay, he says oil of oh shit. So, again, he's really going to town on this guy, you know, talking about how his lifestyle was lame. He, He fronts about everything. He lies about his girl's car and his money. He's pulling out $1 bills. You know, saying he had a Benz, it's his friend's car, and his breath stinks, and he smells bad, and uh, he goes on to say, telling girls he's daddy long-stroking, then he has a girl say, shit, you must be joking. One rhyme per bar, two syllables on the rhyme, again, they lead into each other well, they make perfect sense, Uh, staying on topic, staying on point, because he ain't got no bitches, and couldn't hurt a virgin if a pussy had stitches. That's a pretty dope line. You have bitches and stitches, just one rhyme per bar, two syllables on the rhyme. But if you go back two bars, he referred to how the dude was talking about how he's daddy long stroking. And then now he says he couldn't hurt a virgin if a pussy had stitches, which is which is crazy because first, not saying that anybody's trying to do this, but if you can't hurt a virgin, you're struggling right there because just putting that shit in there should relatively hurt the girl in some way shape or form and then on top of it he's saying if a pussy had stitches obviously if you got stitches you're probably in some sort of pain already so clearly again it's an exaggerative line i always like to use the example of when jada says when my coke come in they got to use the scale that they weigh the whales with obviously not obviously jada kiss is not pushing so much coke that they're weighing his cocaine with a fucking whale scale. He's not selling tons and tons of coke. But it's an exaggerative line, you know, said to make a point. Um, these lead into each other well. It makes perfect sense. It's a strong point. It's a pretty dope line there. And then he goes on to say, See, Corey, there's a lot you're missing. Seems to me you ain't got a pot to piss in. So you got four syllables on the rhyme. One rhyme per bar. Lines lead into each other well. They make perfect sense. Still on topic. Still on point. So let's get one thing understood. Motherfucker, you ain't no damn good. One syllable on the rhyme. One rhyme per bar. And he kind of ends it in a similar fashion as he ended the first verse, but with a different line. In the first verse, he said, treat yourself like a real woman should because, bitch, you ain't no damn good. On this one, he says, so let's get one thing understood. Motherfucker, you ain't no damn good. Now, the song was definitely above average. I would say at least one of those verses could raise the score up a little bit, you know, a quarter of a point or so. Uh, It was absolutely 100% on topic and on point the entire song, so that would raise it up to at least a one and a half right there. It was an original song idea. It was done in an original fashion. You know, the name of the song is No Damn Good. The entire song was about people being no damn good. He spun it in a way where he talked to his boy about girls and told a story about a girl that was no damn good. Then he talked to a girl and she had something to say about dudes. He went on and told a story about a dude that was no damn good. So at the end of the day, um, this is a good song. 
This is an original type of song where a topic was kept, and I, I would say at least one of those verses has to be considered above average, if not both of them a little bit above average. So again, I think this song gets a two. I, I will call it a two right now. Listening to all the songs in succession, it may possibly have got a one. It may possibly have gotten slightly ahead of a two, but I can almost guarantee you that this song was nowhere near a three or a zero. And for right now, just listening to it by itself, I would say it got scored a two, which is a good song. And now that you've heard some of Big Daddy Kane, let's get into what I wrote down when I studied Big Daddy Kane. Big Daddy Kane was one of those people that made you wonder at times how somebody so good could do something so bad. He had some ridiculous lines that have been recycled countless times. He was above average lyrically on some of his one-liners alone. Most of BDK's albums were average, but he did drop three good ones. What he didn't do, however, was have any great songs, and he did have four weaker ones. It boggled my mind seeing the number of lines some legendary rappers had borrowed from Kane. Particularly Big L, Cannabis, Pete Rock, CL Smooth, and Biggie, but also Cypress Hill, LL Cool J, Exhibit, Nas, DMX, Redman, Method Man, Lil' Kim, Tupac, AC, Biz Marquee, Slick Rick, Big Pun, Ludacris, Fat Joe, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, The Fugees, AZ, Diddy, and believe it or not, others. So even though for some strange reason I get the feeling Big Daddy Kane wasn't being listened to in the numbers he should have been, his impact was clearly major. While Kane wasn't necessarily considered a standout, he still remained above average as far as originality was concerned. Now, I just want to talk about when I said early on it makes you wonder at times how somebody so good could do something so bad. I just wanted to allude to what I was talking about. Big Daddy Kane had some lines. Like I said, some of his one-liners alone left him above average lyrically just by themselves. But he would have some lines or some verses where you would say, wow, like he, he's dope. He's fucking sick. And then, again, this, this, this wasn't that common. It's not that he would make one really good song or kill one song and then the next six would be trash. That's not what I'm trying to say. But he just did have some lines that were so good that it made you wonder how he could say some of the things that he said in other songs or how he could make four weak songs. Because there were definitely songs or lines that you would hear him say that you would say this guy didn't have any weak songs, but he did. Um, and there were other lines, again, they, were, they weren't as common as his awesome lines, but he did have some lines where you were like, how could a guy that said a line so good come out and say that line? He had to know that line was not good. So I just wanted to point out what I was talking about when I said how, how somebody that was so good could do something so bad. That being said, let's get into the math of, of Big Daddy Kane. Uh, for lyrics, he gets a six. Albums, he gets a 3.49 with zero classics. His song score is a minus 0.41. As we alluded to him not having any great songs, and he did have four weak songs. His impact, he gets a nine. I mean, that list of artists that he influenced is insane. I mean, there's close to 40 names on there. I would say 30 of those names are very, very big names. And I would say another five to ten of those names took around three, four, or five things each from Big Daddy Kane. 
So you're looking at a tremendous number of artist influence and a really high caliber and quality of artist influence. Um, I do want to note that when I did Big Daddy Kane, now he's back in 1988, so it was relatively early on. We're through about, I, I believe, 32 or 34 artists or something like that at this point. So through 34 artists, he got an impact score of 8.5. But now that I'm through 115 artists, I've raised his impact score to a 9. Because since I've done him, I have had countless number of artists that have come after him that, that I've noticed that they took things from him. So again, none of these scores are finite. Any of these guys can come out with an album at any time and their song score could change, their lyric score could change, their album score could change, their impact score could change, their originality score could change. So these are going to be things that change as we're going on. I wanted to point that out. I've said that before. Um, but this is the first one that I remember really specifically saying, okay, he's definitely hit that point to where I have to go back and change that number. Now I have had artists who I've finished and then they came out with more stuff later on and in listening to their new stuff, I raised their lyrical score or something like that. That has been done before. But I have not gone back yet until Big Daddy Kane and tweaked somebody's score, not because of their work that they came out after I finished them, but because of other people's work later on down the line. So I want to point out that we're talking about artists from the 90s, artists from the 2000s, things like that, still taking beats or lines and stuff like that from Big Daddy Kane. So the impact score is a nine. Um, originality, he gets six and a half. Again... Just talking a little bit about that, he wasn't really like a standout dude. You know, he he's not he's not a a, a Bismarcky or an ODB where he's where you know or a Bizarre from D12 or something like that. He's not one of these standout dudes that was like really weird or really super original or odd or anything like that. But again, he certainly wasn't any type of follower, and that was really in any way, shape, or form. Uh, his image wasn't of that of, of a follower. Uh, his rhyme rhyme and song style wasn't of that of a follower. His message wasn't of that of a follower. So again, while there was nothing majorly standout or majorly original about him, I did think that he was original enough in every area. You know, just above average a little bit in every area to carry him up to around a six and a half there. You add all those scores up, you divide by 5, and you get a final score of 4.92, which puts him in 20th place of 115 artists done. So again, shout out to BDK, man. 20th place right now. He's in our top 20 as far as right now is concerned. Again, I'm probably a little bit past a quarter of the way of artists done, so... I, you know, I would say this is going to be somewhere around a top 50 finish for BDK when all is said and done. Again, we're going to have to stay tuned and see how that all pans out. He could wind up finishing in, you know, 80th place. He could wind up finishing in 25th place. We don't know where artists are going to be placed ahead or behind him, but, you know, just doing average math, he's probably going to be somewhere around your 50 mark. So again, we're probably looking at a top 50 MC here when all is said and done. Um... Getting into the current list right now, 
this is April and we're still doing the top 25% and we are at 34 artists done right now in the podcast. So 25% would be like a top eight or nine because it's eight and a half. I always like to round up. I was always taught to round up and I always like to round up. So we'll round up to nine. So our, our current top 25% final list will be our top nine right now. At the top spot, we have KRS-One, who's in sixth place of 115 artists done. Behind him, we have Rakim, who's in ninth place of 115 artists done. In third, we have Rev Run of Run DMC, who's sitting in 12th of 115 artists done. Directly behind him in 13th, we have LL Cool J. Behind him in 15th, we have Will Smith. In 6th, we have DMC of Run DMC, who is tied for 17th of 115 artists done. Behind him, we have Big Daddy Kane, who's in 20th place of 115 artists done. In 8th, we have Chuck D of Public Enemy, who's in 24th of 115 artists done. And last but not least, in our 9th slot is Cool Mo D, who's in 26th place of 115 artists done right now. So once again, Cool Mo D somehow manages to hang on to this last spot. Um, this list went from being a top 33%, which he was at the end of, to being a top 25%, which he was on the end of, to having somebody else get in there and he, you know, in front of him, and he still managed to hang on somehow to now. He, you know, winds up getting the benefit of the doubt where I rounded up from eight to nine. So now as we have another guy placed in front of him, we get another slot opened up. So he stays there. So it's interesting to see how some people are getting booted out of this top 25% or remaining in this top 25%. In May, we're going to go down to a top 20%. So it'll be interesting to see if he can keep hanging on. So just to run through that list one more time in order... We have KRS-One, Rakim, Rev Run, LL Cool J, Will Smith, DMC, Big Daddy Kane, Chuck D, and Kumo D. Let's get into our lyrical list. Uh, top 10% lyrically. Again, nothing's changed here. We did have Big Daddy Kane, who was above average. He did get a 6 lyrically, but not enough to top any of these guys. In first place, we have KRS-One with a 7 and then tied for second place, we have Will Smith and Rakim with a six and a half. Uh, in case anybody has been missing the past couple episodes or whatever, I will go ahead and point out again that while I do feel that Will Smith and Rakim are both six and a half lyrically, Rakim was really on the verge of being a seven and Will Smith was really on the verge of being a six. So I do consider Rakim to be the better lyricist of the two. I do want to make that clear. Rakim is the better lyricist, but Will Smith is right there and they do fall in the same category, uh, in the same column, considering that 450 artists are going to have to fit into a span of 10 numbers. So we got KRS-One, Will Smith, Rakim as your top 10% lyrically right now. If you'd like to see any of these full lists, give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash tale of the tapes podcast. Everything all spelt normally there. Um, on the anchor profile, which is the hosting site for my podcast, www.anchor.fm slash tale of the tapes, all spelt normal. I have a donate button on my anchor profile. A lot of hard work and time and effort put into this. I appreciate anybody who hits the button. Greatly appreciated. Uh, thanks to anybody who tunes in, whether it's weekly or sporadically. 
Again, I want to go out and say that I don't necessarily expect everybody to sit down and listen to every episode of this. I kind of had a different approach with this podcast that I'm doing. This this podcast is more of like a documentation to where people can kind of have their pick of, oh, I love that dude or I hate this dude. Let me see where he finished or let me hear the breakdown of him you know, or the critique of him or whatever. So I kind of expect people to listen a little bit more in their generation that they like to listen to. I expect people to tune into certain artists that they really like or you know, maybe a certain artist that they really dislike or somebody they think sucks or they think is really good whether they like them or not and they're just kind of curious to see where they finish. Uh, big shout out to everybody who has been listening every episode. You know, I hope you're enjoying the episodes. I appreciate you tuning in. I hope everybody's been able to either learn something or you know, agree or disagree with my assessments. Again, I'm always open to having any of these discussions with anybody. But that being said, again, thanks to everybody for tuning in. That basically concludes episode 14. Big shout out again to Eric Sermon and Big Daddy Kane. Shout out to everybody we've covered so far. A lot of big names, a lot of pioneers, a lot of impressive finishes. Special shout out to the the top 25% that we got done and obviously the top 10% lyrically. And next week, it's looking like we're going to have Slick Rick and Biz Marquee. So again, we're still in the golden age of hip-hop. We're still dealing with a lot of really big names here. And I think it's been interesting to see how certain things are carrying or killing certain people. You're having certain people get a really low lyrical score and a really high impact score. Or a really low you know, lyrical score and a really high originality score or, you know, vice versa with these things. So again, we got a guy like Slick Rick here and then we got another guy like Biz Marquee, two super original artists here, one of a kind. And it'll be interesting to see how they finish because Biz Marquee not really looked at as like a lyricist or anything like that, but, you know, a big name, um, super original dude and curious to see what carries him and what kills him and uh curious to see where a legend like slick rick finishes so again that's the end of episode 14 big shout out to everybody for listening big shout out to all the artists covered and i will see you next week for episode 15 slick rick and biz Marquee. tell the tapes might as well <laughs>